Hey, this is Nathan Jenkins from Loon Mountain Ministry, and I want to thank you for checking out our podcast today. We welcome you to join us, the trees, the rocks, and all of creation as we worship our great God. Enjoy the message. Can you guys hear me okay? All right, if you take your bulletin and look at the passage that's on the front of it, we can read this together. All right, you ready? I can tell. All right. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him. So you called you in the great of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Hey, that sounded good. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, just put it right there on that. All right, you guys all can be seated, yeah. So um, I wanted to start by saying this. I just... um. You know, when we're communicating truth, um, there's a couple things to keep in mind, and uh, and this and I and I say this because it's something that I struggle with, and and um, I I'm trying to get better, and by the grace of God, God is working on me to improve at it. But speaking truth, uh, according to the Bible, is only beneficial if done in love. Um, I think of First Corinthians chapter 13, probably one of the most popular chapters of the Bible um, that talks about love. You've probably heard it in every wedding that you've ever been a part of, Um, but we often quote the middle part rather than the beginning part. The beginning part says, if I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned or martyred, but have not love, I gain nothing. And so as I start, I have to remember that like, it's so important that I I speak this in love. And, and I understand that the process of loving others doesn't necessarily only happen here. In fact, a lot of times it happens before the service or after the service. A lot of times it happens, you know, most of you guys I don't see throughout the daily, you know, everyday kind of routine, but that's when my love shines through or that's when, when someone sees that I care more about my opinion or, or even God's truth than I do about you. And one thing I noticed about what Jesus did is when he came, he cared for the person more than, more than the, the truth. He cared for you. That's why he came. He loved you so much that he came for you. Now, he didn't discount the importance of the truth, but he came because he loved us. And so today, as I share with you, I, I pray that it would be done in love. I pray that you'd receive it in love. And so I, I, that's super important. And... Um, I just want to communicate that because uh, sometimes it can come across like, wow, Nathan really cares about his opinion. 
more so than me, and it feels like I'm being judged, and it can feel like that. I don't know about you guys, but I've felt like that many times in a church service that the preacher got up in front of everybody and cared more about what he was saying than he did about the people he was saying it to. And so I, I, I just pray that this morning I, w- I would not do that, that I would speak this in love. So let's go to the Lord in prayer before we jump in. Father, um, I know that Jesus came for the sole purpose that he loved us and he came to set us free from the sin that, that holds us in bondage. Not only that holds our life in bondage, but, but it separates us from you. He came because he loved us so much that he, he wanted reconciliation. Father, I pray that, that with that same love that Jesus came to set us free, I pray that I'm able to love as I communicate. And Father, I pray that I wouldn't jumble up this, this simple the simple truths of the gospel with, with wisdom of men. Okay, I pray that my speech wouldn't be in, in the wisdom of men, but rather in the power of God, so that our faith here today might not rest in, in my wisdom, but rather in you, and that our faith might rest in you. We love you, and we trust you. And we pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. So, uh, I don't know how many of you guys have read the book of Galatians. It is a wonderful, wonderful book. Um, but it, it, it points out some, some issues going on in this church. Galatia was a region um, uh, of churches, and essentially they had slipped away from the simple gospel that Paul had originally preached, that Jesus had preached. And they slipped away to another gospel. It says in, in, in your passage, um, I believe it's in verse 7 maybe, um, it says you, you've, uh, let me look real quick. Oops, sorry. I'm in chapter 2. I'm, in ast- I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. It's verse 6. And then he says, not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to dis- distort the gospel of Christ. There's, you see, it's so important that we know the gospel. That what, What's cool about Loon Mountain Ministries, we get a lot of people who have a lot of viewpoints. A lot, there's, there's probably people from many different backgrounds and denominations here today, and I love that. I love that. At Loon Mount Ministry, we are a wide net, but we want to point people to a narrow road because the narrow road is the way that leads to heaven. That's what Jesus said. There's a wide road that leads to destruction, but there's a narrow road that leads to eternal life, and that narrow road is the gospel. And so if there's anything that we want to be crystal clear on and we want to stand firm in, it's the truths of the gospel. And so I thought of this analogy, and I don't know if you guys have have heard it before, but... um, People who handle money a lot, they have to be able to discern what's, what's a real dollar bill or generally people aren't, you know, doing all the stuff to figure out if a dollar bill's right because, you know, it's a dollar. Worst case scenario, if it's wrong, you're short a dollar. You do it with like $100, right? You do it with a, great, a bill of greater value and you check and you, and you have to discern, is this a real bill or is this counterfeit? Because there's counterfeits out there. There totally is. And one thing I consistently have heard is that rather than just looking at all the different false bills out there, rather, in order to be able to discern well what's, what's a real bill and what's a fake bill, 
you, do, you, you, you have to handle a lot of the real stuff. You got to handle a lot of $100 bills because when you know, when you know a true bill, you'll know immediately if one's not right. You'll know immediately. It, it, you'll, it'll set something off in your brain. I don't know if you guys have experienced that. You're like, nope, that's different. That's different than what I'm, you know, that's a different bill. And, uh, and today, you know, I was just really motivated to go back. Let's go, let's go back to the simple gospel. Let's, you know, I called it gospel refresher. That's what I call this sermon is gospel refresher. Let us, let us go over the simple and basic truths of the gospel because it's so important that we get this right. And especially in this country, especially in this country, um, I was looking up some, some numbers. Here, here's the thing. Our hope at Loon Mountain Ministry is to be a light in the White Mountains. And, and, and we want to be the light of Jesus so that we can point people to him. The goal is, is that everybody that we come in contact with would, would be able to stand before God. We're all going to stand before God one day. And, and to be uncondemned, to be forgiven for our sins because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all, and so we all are condemned already. And, and our goal is that everyone would stand before God uncondemned. And that's what we want to communicate. And it seems like in, in this country, I, I don't know, I haven't done a lot of research in other countries, but I've lived here my whole life and I've seen a lot of it is that a lot of people fall away. A lot of people fall away. In fact, the numbers show that about 75% of, of kids that grew up in a Christian home end up leaving their faith. Um, uh, even more interesting, uh, a study from USA Today and the Barna Group uh, saw that less than 1% of 18 to 23-year-olds have a biblical worldview, and, and that was based on a couple of really basic questions like, is God real? Is Satan real? Uh, can you make it to heaven based on your good works? Very simple, basic gospel truths. I'm not saying getting into all the, the roots of, of theology and stuff. I'm saying, what does it mean to be a Christian stuff? Less than 1%. And I, I'm like, man, my heart has got to be for the lost to know Jesus. Our heart as Christians has got to be for the lost to know Jesus because that's the whole reason Jesus came. You think Jesus came to die on a cross for our sins just because he wanted to? Man, like the great sacrifice that he made for us. And, and I, was, I was just thinking, I'm like, does the gospel have power to save but to keep? To keep someone. Because we see these people just falling away left and right. They're, they're going to other things. They're saying, God's not real. God's not good. God's not this. God's not that. And in our country, so much. And, and man, is the gospel powerful enough to keep us? Is the true gospel powerful enough, enough to keep us pursuing Jesus? And, man, I thought back to the very beginning. Because the gospel, back in the early days of the church... It toppled the most powerful empire that this world has ever known, Rome. And it did it without raising a sword, without violence. It did it because the gospel is that powerful. And when we know the true gospel, it can be not only that powerful in our life, 
but it can be powerful like that in the lives of those that we speak to and those that we share it with. And um, so, so today I want to go through real quick, like what, like the basics of the gospel, and then, and then I want to. There, there's a, an illustration I heard this last week that we'll we'll do, um, but I want to go through those basic things. And and I, you know, uh, granted, it's just an opinion and diagnosis of what I, part of the reason I think that we've. We see that dropout. We see people fall away because maybe on the way in to follow Jesus, they're not actually hearing what the gospel offers. And so um, I like to think of the gospel in four ways, okay? Um, now, it's important to, to realize that the gospel is the good news. It's the good news of Jesus. Jesus is the good news. He is the good news. But if we just see that, if we just preach this, Jesus loves you, gospel, how can we know that we need Jesus if we don't understand some of these four basic things? So I like to break it down into creation, fall, redemption, and new creation. Really simple. And, and what we have to know in the very beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, he said some things about his creation. Do, does anyone remember what he said about his creation? Just shout it out. It is good. He said it is good. Now, he said something different, though, when he created humans. What did he say when he created humans? He said it is very good. Marcus talked about it last week. Um, the little, more literal translation is good, good. It's, they're good, good. There's something unique and distinct about humanity. When God created us, he made us in his image. There's something unique and distinct. And in the very beginning, we lived in perfect harmony with a perfect and holy God. It's important to note that God was perfect and he did not need to create us. He did that out of, out of an act of love and abundance toward us. You see, right now I'm stealing God's air to breathe. When I go down later, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal some of God's food to eat. Now, I'm not stealing it. He's, he's blessing me with these things. He's blessing us all with seats right now. He might be blessing you with some rays of sunshine to get some, uh, some more melanin in your skin. You know, he's, he, is, he is blessing us abundantly right now. He is blessing us abundantly. Now, what do we do with God's blessing? What did we do? That takes us to part number two, creation, fall. It didn't take long for Adam and Eve to say, you know, God, I like your blessings, but I think I want to do it my way. Now, they were deceived. They were deceived by Satan, the serpent, in the garden, but they fell away. They said, God, you know what? Like, I think you're holding things back from me. And guess who followed in Adam and Eve's suit? Me. I did. I do it all the time. Guess who else followed in, God's, in, in Adam and Eve's suit? Every single one of us here today. We've all followed. We've all fallen short. We all turn to things other than God for our fulfillment, for our joy, for our peace. You guys, uh, you know, I can say this, like, if you don't receive your peace and your rest from, um, from, from what Jesus did on the cross, you'll never receive it from a vacation. You'll never receive it from anything else apart from resting in the fact that Jesus died for your sins. So, so when that fall happened, there was a separation. We, we were separated from a holy God, a holy and perfect God, a good God, I might add, because we were not good. 
I think it's really important to note that we are not good. We are not good. The more that we say that we're good, the more that we believe that God should love us because he's a good God to love us based on our goodness. It's called self-righteousness. It's a terrible place to be. And what we're saying is we're saying, well, God, I'm pretty good and I do more good than I do bad. And so, you know, I think you should forgive me based on my good, right? Because you're a good God and I'm kind of, I'm a pretty good person. You know, the fact is, is that none of us are good. Not one. We've all been deceived. We're all, we've all gone astray. So none of us are good. Okay, so that's the bad news. And, and it's not just that we sinned and it hurts the people around us. It does. It hurts, hurts those, it hurts, you know, it, all the relationships we have. It hurts us physically, um, you know, and, and emotionally. Um, it, it, it hurts the world. It hurts the, you know, uh, the trees and nature. It hurts everything. Sin hurts everything. But ultimately, we have sinned against God. It's so interesting. I don't know if you guys know the story of David and Bathsheba. That's a pretty popular one. But essentially, David goes and he commits adultery. And the man who he commits adultery with has a husband. So instead of owning up to his mistake, he says, I'm going to cover it up. Let me go kill this guy so he'll never know. No one will ever know. And so he commits murder and adultery. And he's confronted by the prophet Nathan. Unique, that's my name but that has nothing to do with it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anyways, um, he's confronted by the prophet Nathan, and, and he repents. And in Psalm 51, it's the, it's the psalm of David's repentance from, from when, he, when he sinned against God. And he said, he said, against you and you alone have I sinned, God. He's talking to God. Wait a minute, didn't he murder that man? Didn't he commit adultery? Didn't he sin against you know, his current wife or, or the wife, you know, of, of Uriah? Didn't he sin against Uriah? And David had the right perspective in the fact that he sinned against a holy God. He sinned against a holy God. Okay, well, then we move on to the third part. Okay, so that's all bad news. But can I say it's so important that we know the bad news because if we don't, we'll never understand good news. We'll never understand the good news unless we understand that we have no other way, that we are not good. The good news is that God did not see fit to keep us separated from him. And because he loves us so much, he gives us all the choice to pursue and follow him, to trust him. He gives us all the choice. Well, in order to do that, he pursued the people whom he created. He started with a man named Abraham. He, he went on through all the, the, the early men in the Bible, the patriarchs, to David. He gave promises after promise of a, of a Savior who would come and redeem and, and, and bring reconciliation between them and God. And, and ultimately, he became a man, and he came, he humbled himself, became a servant, even to the point of death for us. I love Philippians chapter 2. It talks about Christ's humility in not counting equality with God a thing to be grasped. Because that's what Jesus was. He was equal with God. He's fully God. He did not count equality as something to hold on to. But for our sake, because he loves us so much, he came down, he became a man to come and live the life that we should have. 
Also think of this, this reconciliation that we receive. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, he's saying that Jesus, when he came down, he lived the perfect righteous life. He followed all the rules. There's a lot of rules. There's a lot of law. The law is good in the sense that it reminds us, and when we look at it, it's a mirror, and it's, I see, man, when I look in the mirror, I find all sorts of messed up stuff with my face. When I look at the perfect law, it shows me who I am in truth, and it shows me that I am a sinner, and I've sinned against the holy God. And when Jesus came, he, he looked at that mirror of the law, and he did it perfect. He did it perfect on our behalf, And in return, when he died, he died to receive the punishment, the the wage that we deserved. You see, the wage that we deserved was death. The punishment for our crime is death. And and it's really important that we understand that because we have sinned against a holy God, there is wrath to come. There is a punishment to come for that. And because God is a good God, he can't just wipe it away, right? We would never say that. If you go into a court of law today and you see a judge who just overlooks people's, people's crimes, that is a bad judge. You want to know how I know we all believe that that's a bad judge? Is because look at our culture today. We are very quick to want justice. We want it. And if justice goes unserved, we're mad, Right? I mean, it is loud. If you've been on Facebook lately, we want justice. So a good God is one who does not dismiss sin. A good God, he enforces it. And the bad news is that, is that we will all have that, that wage enforced upon us, but Jesus took it on the cross. That's the redemption. That is the redemption. And then we look to the final part, that there's a new creation, because one day Jesus will return to judge the entire world, the living and the dead. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. And, and that's the thing, is God, is God is patiently waiting because his, his will is that none should perish, that all should trust in Jesus. And we don't know when that day is going to come. We don't know. It says that, that he'll come like a thief in the night. The, the good news of, of the hope of that new creation is that when Jesus rose from the dead, he said, the, the grave cannot hold me. Death has held everyone captive. Every single one of us, 10 out of 10 of us, will die. There's no getting around it. And Jesus rose from the dead, the only one to ever rise from the dead to say, I have power over that. And right now you can experience the kingdom within yourself because you decide to send the Holy Spirit, which is God in spirit, in to those who believe and follow him. That's good news because now God can live through me. Now I don't have to stand up here and say, wow, like, you know, I'm going to try super hard to preach a good message. Now I can say, God, just say it through me. Say it through me because you live in me because I can't do it. I can't. Many times I come up here and I feel super ill-equipped to preach the good news of Jesus. And my only prayer is that God would do it through me. Because when he does it through me, it's so much better. 
And ultimately one day though, all of creation will be restored when Jesus returns. And there'll be a new heavens and a new earth. What a great day that will be. What a great day that will be. There'll be no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering. What a great day that will be. And part of the, I'm like, okay, so that, that's the gospel right there. That's, you know, he created us, we fell and, and we're held accountable to God and he redeemed us through the blood of Jesus and we can be saved and we can have hope for a future. That's the gospel. What have we gotten wrong? And I, and I heard this illustration. I'm going to ask Drew to come down because this, uh, this is so impactful to me and I, I think it identifies a lot of what we see in the American church today. And I want to read it for you. Um, it, uh, it comes from uh, Living Waters Ministry. If any of you guys have heard of Ray Comfort, um, he, he originally uh, came up with this illustration. I don't know. You can sit up here if you want, wherever you want, Drew. But uh, I want to read this to you because it was really challenging. Um, so we're going we're gonna to have role play for a minute. We're in a plane, okay? We're in a plane. And uh, Drew's going to be both men. There's two men in this illustration. So two men are seated in a plane. Yeah. <laughs> two men are seated in a plane. A stewardess gives the first man a parachute. This is a parachute, by the way. Parachute. <laughs> gives the first man a parachute and instructs him to put it on as it will improve your flight. Go ahead and put that on. It's going to improve your flight. Not understanding how a parachute could possibly improve his flight, the first passenger is a little skeptical. Finally, he decides to see if the claim is true. After strapping on the parachute, he notices its burdensome weight, and he has difficulty sitting upright. Consoling himself with the promise of a better flight, our first passenger decides to give it a little time. Because he's the only one wearing a parachute, this is where you guys come in, some of the other passengers begin smirking at him. You gotta smirk, you gotta, this is where you come in in the role play. Begin smirking at him, which only adds to his utter humiliation. Unable to stand it any longer, our friend slumps in the seat, unstraps the parachute, and throws it to the floor. Disillusionment and bitterness fills his heart because as far as he is concerned, he was told a lie. Another stewardess, now he's the second man. Another stewardess gives the second man a parachute, but listen to her instructions. She tells him, put it on because at any moment he will be making an emergency exit out of a plane from 25,000 feet in the air. Our second passenger gratefully straps the parachute on. He, notice, he does not notice its weight upon his shoulders or that he can't sit upright. His mind is consumed with the thought of what would happen to him if he jumped without it. When another passenger comes and laughs at him, he thinks, you won't be laughing, you should put on a parachute too. Right? Let's now analyze the motive and result of each passenger's experiment, experience. You can sit down. Thank you, Drew. Give a, give a big hand. There you go. Thank you, Drew. <laughs> He's going to take my backpack now. <laughs> the first man's motive for putting on the parachute was solely to improve his flight. As a result, he was humiliated by the passengers, disillusioned by an unkept promise, and embittered against the stewardess who gave it to him. As far as he is concerned, he will never put on another parachute ever again. Then the second man um, 
The second man put on the, the parachute to escape the danger of the jump. Because he knew what would happen to him without it, he had a deep-rooted joy in, and peace in his heart, knowing he was saved from certain death. This gave him the ability to withstand the mockery of other passengers. His attitude toward the stewardess who gave him the parachute was one of heartfelt gratitude. See, in this illustration, uh, the stewardess is the one who communicates the gospel. This is how you come in. This is how you trust in Jesus. This is, what, what are you shared with when you, when you decide to follow Jesus? And many times I hear in this country, we're preached a good news of Jesus that is solely focused on the benefits that Jesus offers us rather than Jesus himself. We're preached a, a good news about how, hey, you're going to have abundant life if you follow Jesus. Now, hear me, I'm not saying this is true, but if the abundant life that Jesus offers you is the selling point to follow him, then you're, you've got the wrong gospel. You see, the good news is that Jesus died for our sins and that we can be forgiven and reconciled to God. And when we understand that without Jesus, we are to face certain death, that is when we cling tightly to Jesus. It says in the Bible, in Proverbs, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. You know what's unique about understanding the fear of the Lord? Is that when you understand the fear of the Lord, you actually understand the love of the Lord. See, how can you ever know that, how can you ever say that you want to see if you don't know that you're blind? How can you ever want to live if you don't know that you're dead? See, if, if we preach a gospel that is solely focused on the benefits that you'll receive, that will improve, Jesus will improve your flight. Then you'll, when, when persecution comes, when difficulty comes, when suffering comes, which, by the way, are promised, you'll think, man, that person who told me about Jesus is a liar. And either I, that person lied to me, or they say, man, the God of the Bible is not good. The God of the Bible is, is not real. He must not be because I'm facing this. We have to remember that the thing that we cling so tightly to are not the benefits of Jesus. It's Jesus himself because he is the atoning sacrifice. He is the one who paid for our sin. We cling tightly to him. And when we cling tightly to Jesus, that is when we can, we can experience the rest, the peace, the abundant life that he offers. Guess what? The abundant life that Christ offers is based on his values and not ours. But it's when we cling close to Jesus. And we get this wrong so much. And people leave the church left and right because they believe that God is here for their good. They believe that God is here for their glory. But you guys, it's the other way around. 
we are here for his. Man, when we understand the gospel that Jesus came and his death and his blood paid for our sins and that we can be reconciled to God because of it, that is the power in the gospel. That is the power in the gospel that will keep us, that nothing will will shake or waver our faith because at the core, we cling to him. We cling to nothing else. We cling to nothing else. I want to give you some passages um, because this, this, this good news is very important. In, in that church of Galatia, they were going down a path to another gospel. Now, let me tell you, there's lots of other another gospels. There's, there's many in this country right now. There's many in other countries. There were many when the church first started. Okay, And I'm not going to spend all day, I don't want to spend all day talking to you about all the different ones, but what I want us to know is the true gospel, because then we'll be, just like the money, we'll be able to identify when it's true and when it's false. But if I preach today the gospel of Jesus, and I used these verses, I'd be interested to know who would sign up. When Jesus came and he preached to people, he wasn't, he wasn't after like everybody following him. In fact, a lot of times he actually was like, listen, you guys don't really want to follow me. He'd often tell them the cost of following him. He knew that a lot of people were just in it for the benefits. He was very clear. But let's say I use these verses. I say, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Here's some promises for you. 2 Timothy 3.12, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Acts 14.22, through many tribulations, we must all enter the kingdom of God. Psalms 34.19, many are the afflictions of the righteous. John 16.33, Drew actually quoted this earlier, in the world you will have tribulation. Now who wants to come to Jesus? Right? (laughs) Many people would say, no, 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 I've got enough of that. I don't need more of that. How could that be better? And I say, he's better. He's always better because Jesus is eternity, is eternal life. He's eternal life. He's always better. And despite the fact that there's suffering and persecution, we have a future hope. We have a glory that we can't quite see. We get this idea there's this already that, that the Holy Spirit lives in us, but there's a future. There's something. And, and as Christians who have our hope in the true gospel, there's something that we see just a little beyond the horizon that is able, we're able to go through the persecution. We're able to go through the suffering and we're able to say, you know what? I have hope for a future. And you guys, that's, what, that's, that's what's beautiful because people come to Jesus not because they say, wow, you hardly ever swear. You know, how must I know Jesus? You hardly ever go to bad movies. How must I know Jesus? They say, man, there's something about that person. When persecution and suffering happened, just like that guy on the airplane, when that came, he held all the more to Jesus. The suffering and persecution didn't push him away. It made the one who had the gospel cling all the more tightly because that was his hope. That was his hope. If today you have heard this message, and, and this is something new, and you say, man, I, I've, been, I've been in this for the benefits the whole time. I wanted to look good on the outside. I, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know where you guys are coming from. If that's you today, I want to encourage you to put your trust in Jesus alone and cling tightly to him. 
cling tightly to him. But you know what's cool about the gospel? The gospel isn't just for those who don't know Jesus, who don't cling tightly. There are many of you today who do cling tightly to Jesus, and that is beautiful. But we need to be reminded because the gospel, it applies to everything. You see, the whole New Testament was written just by people who understood the gospel and how it applies to things. And they wrote about how it applied to those things. Well, today, we have new things that they didn't face back then. And the gospel applies to us today in new and amazing ways. And we, as Christians who follow Jesus and cling tightly to him, must be reminded of the gospel daily. Preach it to yourself. Preach it to others. But just like those two stewardess, make sure that when you share the gospel, that people know. People know that it's not benefits that we cling to. It is Jesus alone. It's Jesus alone. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your good news. It changes lives in a way that I can't quite comprehend. But Father, we don't come to you because you're going to make our life better. We come to you because Jesus' blood pays for our sins. God, thank you for paying the wage. As Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that whoever confesses with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be forgiven. It's that simple. Because with the heart, one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. Father, if we're here today and we've been believing a different gospel, we've been thinking that there's other good news out there. Maybe our vacation's good news. Maybe this beautiful view behind us is good news. Maybe our kids are good news. Maybe our hobbies are good news. And we've been turning to different good news that's not you. Father, help us to repent. Help us to turn to you and cling tightly to Jesus and never let him go. Because when the gospel saturates our heart, it is immovable. And we have power that's not within ourselves, but it's only your power working through us. Father, thank you. I pray that those who trusted in you and your sacrifice for them today for the first time. I pray that they, that, they would, that they would trust in you and that they would communicate that with others. And that they would begin to walk a life that's redeemed, that's reconciled. They would turn from their previous life, life and trust in you. We love you and we trust you. Lord, we pray all these things in your holy son, Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening. We here at Loon Mountain Ministry are committed to loving God, serving community, and enjoying mountains. We want to thank you for being a part of our collective high five this week as we seek to be a light in the White Mountains and all around the world. Please feel free to reach out to us at info at loonmtnministry.com so we can get more connected. See you guys.